Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Our first Bible reading will be from Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord of your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites and Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reach the Jordan and their feet touch the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up into a heap a great distance away. At a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by, The whole nation had completely crossed dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. We're now going to read from Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, as we think about God's word together tonight in this way, let me pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all the good things you give us. Lord, we thank you and praise you that in Jesus we are secure and safe. We are reminded, Lord, that you don't pluck us out of crises and circumstances, but we know that in the midst of crisis and circumstances, you are with us. So remind us of that tonight. And Lord, as we think about your word, Father, we pray that we would see, that we would hear, and that we would love Jesus. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think preaching about events that are happening is always a little bit dangerous um, and risky, to be honest. Um, It's easy to encourage um, overreactions um, and maybe even easy to um, create unhelpful or unnecessary panic in our hearts. That being said, though, the the COVID-19 challenge, the coronavirus challenge, provides us with an opportunity as God's people in this time to think a little bit how about how we respond in times of crisis and anxiety. Specifically, I want to think tonight, just together, as we gather, uh, about how we can handle this kind of particular strain of anxiety that perhaps we're experiencing now, that kind of anxiety that comes from when we know that there's a threat kind of coming towards us. I'm a bit like, you know, a fin in the water. Well, actually, I've never seen a fin like that coming at me in the water. But, you know, if you were in that situation, a fin coming in the water, you know the threat's coming, but it hasn't quite arrived yet, and we can feel kind of anxious about that. Well, I imagine you would if you've been in that situation. We're kind of in that situation, to be honest. Thankfully, right, Scripture knows about the fear of impending danger intimately, and it speaks about it over and over and over again. So let's seize this occasion together and think afresh, um, remind our collective memory of how Scripture helps us navigate this particular whirlpool within the larger current of our anxiety. What is our comfort? What is our comfort when significant threat looms but has not yet begun to erode the shore of our lives in earnest just yet? Let's look together at an unfamiliar portion of a familiar Old Testament passage to get our minds moving in that particular direction. So we're really going to think a bit about Joshua chapter 3 tonight. Um, After they left Egypt, uh, the people of God, the people of Israel, wandered in the wilderness for many, many, many decades. Um, When they finally arrived on the doorstep of the promised land, they had to face one last obstacle. You know what that is? The Jordan River. You know how the story goes, right? That the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river, and once their feet get wet, the waters part, and the people walk through on dry land. God repeats this miraculous provision of deliverance that he'd done generations before through his people at the Red Sea, as he brought them out of oppression and slavery in the the land of Egypt. What we can easily miss, though, is the little detail in the first two verses of Joshua chapter 3. And it's this. The people had to camp at the river's edge for three days. That's chapter 3, verse 2 of Joshua. Without knowing what was coming next or how they would cross the river. What's it like, right, to sit um, in your tent, watching the river at flood stage churning by, chapter 3, verse 15 of Joshua. What's it like to, to watch your children playing outside, knowing they're going to have to cross somehow this engorged and enraged river, dark with sediments and all that sort of stuff? What's it like to, to look at your sheep, to look at your donkeys, to, to look at all your precious heirlooms that you've brought with you from Egypt that represent your life savings and wonder if you might kind of lose it all. 
How does it feel to know that God is actually calling you to to step forward, that he's promising to be with you, but all you can see is a river whose depth you do not know, but whose fatal power you can be absolutely sure of? It's easy parallel, isn't it, to make for us today? This virus is seeping and flooding across our world, and it's reached our shores. And we don't know how treacherous it's going to be. God is calling us, though, to continue forward in love for our neighbour, in service of his kingdom. But all we can see, right, are public surfaces covered in germs and maybe people around us walking who are actually vectors of that disease. I was walking to church this morning and I, I was looking at people around me going, I wonder if they've got it. I wonder if he's got it. I wonder if she's got it. It's kind of freaky. That's the reality of life. Because of these parallels of then and now, it's striking to reflect right on what God didn't do at the Jordan thousands of years ago. It's striking to think about what God didn't do with his people on the banks of the River Jordan. He could have, but he didn't, kind of pluck his people out of that situation with a mighty whirlwind and deposit them on the far side of the River Jordan, safe and sound. He could have, but he didn't, part the Jordan as before the people even arrived at the edge of the river and sort of, I don't know, laid out some nice lush grass and planted some lilies along the way so they could just kind of stroll through. He didn't do that. He could have. But he didn't simply ask them to swim or, I don't know, float across on nice floaties and things like that that we might have in our pools, seeing that everyone made it across to the other side with every sheep and every gold earring accounted for. These would have been equally miraculous and equally effective ways, you'd agree, of carrying God's people, his children, to their new home in the promised land. Instead... God chose for his people to wait and to watch the flood, inviting them to to trust in him, to depend on him with all that that crossing of the flood might mean. God often calls us to, to wait in the presence of our enemies. He often comes to our aid later and in different ways, in ways that we we would like. I don't know, we most like to hear, don't we, stories about dramatic rescues and incredible miracles of rescue from dire situations. We're attracted to those things. But we most like to experience stories where God provides in boring, safe and predictable ways, like full bank accounts and good health, low-risk ministry success with high buy-in from the church members and so on. But God knows we need to be reminded of our dependence on him over and over and over and over again for as long as we live. Few reminders are more vivid or or visceral than waiting by flooding rivers or spending night after night in a lion's den or waiting in the Garden of Gethsemane where our saviour Jesus poured out his soul, poured out his sweat, in anguished blood, knowing that there were dangerous men who were coming to arrest him and maybe even you. God knows that these reminders of our dependence on him are frightening and place profound strain on us, even when things turn out well in the end. 
That's why he shows us that we can trust him and wait on him. He has been his people's helper over and over and over and over and over and over again across the millennia. And he will help us now, no matter what may come. How then do you and I, do we as a church at City Light Church, North Adelaide, wait on God well, specifically in the face of a global pandemic? Certainly, brothers and sisters, not by pretending everything will be okay. I said this a bit last week. We don't know if COVID-19, coronavirus, will, will end up as a minor inconvenience to our share portfolio. We don't know if we'll end up in some kind of quarantine zone. We don't know if we'll end up ourselves in a hospital falling ill. We don't know if we will lose a loved one. But waiting well in the face of our anxiety about a coming danger means taking seriously the reality of the danger. Our God takes our lives and he takes our sufferings very seriously indeed, brothers and sisters. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 33. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone because he cares for us and he cares for the things that we care for. Isn't that wonderful? And when through the deep waters he, he calls us to go, he makes sure that the rivers of sorrow do not overflow us. Lamentations 3 32 to 33, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. And let me close with just one thought about how you and I can wait on the banks of this river, even as the floodwaters are swelling. Here it is. Pour out your anxieties to your Father in heaven who loves you. I want to encourage us, let's not, let's not churn fruitlessly inside our own hearts with, I don't know, right now I'm worried about whether they're going to close schools. Let's not churn inside our own hearts fruitlessly about our travel plans, potentially about the economic downturns in the world and even in our own lives. Let's not churn fruitlessly about potentially infected surfaces that we've touched or people we've perhaps passed by. When you're afraid... When we're afraid, let's turn to him. Let's turn to God. Cast your anxieties on him, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5. Because he cares for you. Cares for us. In fact, I said this last week, I think. Whenever we wash our hands... Whenever we rub hand sanitizer onto our hands, maybe even after we've just washed our hands to be doubly sure that we're okay, I don't know, I'm doing that. And I'm, I'm in one of those healthy zones, right? I'm, I'm going okay. But when we wash our hands, when we apply hand sanitizer, let's take that moment, let's use that moment to re-entrust ourselves, re-entrust the ones we love, re-entrust our world into the beautiful, mighty, loving hands of our God who cares and who is compassionate. You know, to spend our time frenetically strategizing about how we'll cross the flooded river that's before us. It's so instinctive, yeah? I feel like I've been consumed with it a little bit. But it's also a little bit foolish and needless at times. 
So do wash your hands. Rub on that sanitizer. Do what's wise. Maybe that's working from home. Call your doctor if you need to. But let's not for a moment forget where our true safety lies. In the one who loved us. In the one who's died for us, risen again. And we are safe in his hands. After all, we do not know, right, what tomorrow will bring. We don't. But we do know the one who parts the raging waters. We do know the one who's parted that last river for us through the blood-soaked cross on Calvary. The final crossing you will indeed find already open and already waiting for you. And you know what? On that far side, you'll fear. We'll fear and we'll wait no more. So with that in mind, let's pray together. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, you are the hope and the healer and the helper of your people. And you have promised a world where there is no more sickness, no more crying, no more grief, no more death. By Christ's death and resurrection, you've set your people free from the penalty of sin and death. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. We pray your will be done on earth as in heaven. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would prosper the work of those who are busily seeking a vaccine for the coronavirus. Lord, we pray for those people who we know, who we don't know, who are involved in essential services, for our healthcare professionals, for those who are ferrying and providing food to our population, for leaders of communities in education and business. Please, Lord, comfort those who are mourning the loss of loved ones near and far. Comfort, Lord, those who are living in fear of this disease. And comfort, Lord, those who have concerns about impending loneliness in this coming season. Please, Lord, give to our governing authorities wisdom in their management of this crisis and give to your people, us included at North, peace beyond understanding, generous and wise hearts and a renewed trust in your sovereign goodness and glory at this time as the floodwaters come and always, Lord. And in this unprecedented season, Lord, turn the hearts of many who are now experiencing fear and anxiety, turn their hearts that they may find what we've found through grace, joy and peace in believing on Jesus. That peace that comes as fruit from the Spirit. Peace that was wrought by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.